Hi, everyone. Welcome to 109, the ep, uh, episode 194, not 194, episode 194 of Respawn Aim Fire, the kick-ass irreverent gaming podcast from Affable Idiots. I'm Holden DePardo, and I'm here with... Chad Michael Cruella DeVille. I miss Brent Gillahan DePardo in us. <laughs> and we've got the dreamiest fan base of all time joining us from all over the world right now, including Brent, a.k.a. Porkchop118YT. And... Ooh, ooh. He's calling us dad, and that's because if you're new to this, that's actually your son. Chad and I had a child. His name is Brent. He's not calling it's... us dads. It's a palindrome. <laughs> if you read it backwards, it's S dad. He's calling us both S dad. It's a palindrome. It's the same both ways. It's the S model of dad. Every other year, Apple does an S model. That's their new S model that's of what dad. It is. And that's us. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. We've got a lot to talk about. We got some cyberpunk rumors that were also then debunked, but we're going to go through them anyway. Oh, nice. We have some new Nintendo. There's a new Nintendo developer because they bought a company. Very exciting. Maybe um, we have David Jaffe talking about God of War, <gasps> the next one, and what? whether he thinks it's going to we're gonna have David PS4, Jaffe PS5. On the show? What does he think? Yeah, he's going to be on the show. With us is Killzone gone? There's so much we got to talk about. But before that, what is for our main quest? What is happening with PS5 in Japan? So this is a headline here from Chandler Wood at PlayStation Lifestyle. Report. I love when they say report, like or something like that at the beginning of a headline, and then it's just like a normal headline they would have had I anyway. You, I want you to say report. it like a newsboy kid. Report extra, extra. Mm, no. Read all about it. Oh, like that. <laughs> Report PlayStation Report. brand. PlayStation brand. <laughs> PlayStation brand in quote decisive decline in Japan. Research firm is deeply concerned. So, basically, in the first six weeks of the PS5 sales in Japan, it sold two hundred and forty thousand units. Out of all PlayStation hardware, only the PSP has sold worse in the same time frame from launch. Um, overall, um, Yasuda, the analyst who's uh, making this claim, um, he kind of believes comes down to five points, and I want to read out his points. These are verbatim, exactly as he wrote them. Uh, number one, PS4 launched in 2013, but Japan's release came afterwards, meaning like Sony's been treating Japan differently is kind of what he means by that. Um, number two, after fall 2018, Sony implemented its own regulations on depictions in games, which has censored content aimed at Japanese users. So again, Sony just treats the Japanese uh, market differently. Um, number three, the PS5 reveal video had no Japanese narration, while there were issues with the font used for the subtitles as well as their Japanese translations. That one's interesting to me, actually. I had no idea about that. Number four, the confirm button was changed from um, from circle to cross in order to set a global standard. And number five, due to manufacturing issues, the initial launch allocation for PS5 in Japan was barely above that of the PS3, preventing the system from reaching earlier um, early adopters. Um, those are just like hit some th ideas that he has that aren't like official statements or anything like that. Um, Yasuda also notes that there have been many changes to Sony in Japan, including major departures and cuts within Japanese development teams. Sony has moved their headquarters from Japan to the U.S. in 2016, which is, I think, also worth mentioning that they're much more U.S. focused if they're going to be literally in the U.S. first. So that's all interesting stuff. And there's another article from Chandler Wood here for PlayStation Lifestyle. It's basically the sales data um, for all hardware sales in Japan from um, December 21st to January 3rd. So not like right around launch, but you know, close enough after or 
in within the holiday season enough that it's I think still relevant and it gives us at least an idea of what's happening. I'm not gonna read through all the numbers here, but PlayStation Four was the number three some selling console in that time frame with thirty thousand units roughly, whereas PlayStation Five was below that uh, with at number four with eighteen thousand units being sold. The digital edition was five thousand um, five thousand five hundred like. 5,691 units. Um, so it, basically, PS4 is selling better than PS5 in that, that two-week time frame, um, at least. So that's interesting. And then also, unless this is the last story um, here, Sony stops nearly all PlayStation 4 shipments for Japan except the standard PS4 Slim. So they're only selling the PS4 Slim in Japan now. Um, a big reason for that is probably that the PS4 Pro in that time frame sold 112 uh, <laughs> units in total. So that might be why they stopped selling them because it's just not worth manufacturing and shipping them there. But yeah, I thought that was interesting that, um, you know, part of what um, Yasuda, the um, analyst was showing is that you can look at the trend line of PS5 at launch versus PS4 and many, many other consoles too, like Nintendo consoles. And it's just not trending as, as well as plas- um, past PlayStation consoles have, let alone other consoles, like old Nintendo consoles specifically. Obviously, Xbox is not worth mentioning in the Japanese market. We all know uh, about, about that. Um, so yeah, I think this, this is interesting. Um, I found I I kind of had a thought of well we could probably see the interest that Japanese audiences have in PlayStation just by looking at the top selling games in Japan from 2013 to to now and then compare that to UK and USA and and I went through every year but I'm not going to go through every year with you guys I'm just going to let you know kind of <laughs> what I found which is that Nintendo hugely dominates in Japan like massively dominates to the point where 3DS games are at the number one selling game of in all of Japan and there's not a there's like a single PS4 game and it's not even like a Sony exclusive property whereas you contrast that with and that's including the Wii U era where Nintendo wasn't selling as well like including that time frame they're still not selling as many PlayStation 4 games um, in Japan and then UK and USA it's just the complete opposite where in UK, for example, you actually have Sony first-party franchises breaking out of um, breaking into the top ten, where you don't see that in Japan. You don't really even see that in the U.S., quite frankly. Um, but you do in both of those regions see a, just a majority of them are multi-platform games, like the Call of Duties, Assassin's Creed, like that kind of like huge AAA experiences that come to all consoles. So I think the answer here is actually quite simple: is that PlayStation is just not as big in Japan as it is in the EU and in the USA. Therefore, they probably want to put their stock for launch in the countries where it's more prominent. I think that's kind of how I'm looking at it. I talked a lot there, Chad. That was a long rant. It's okay. I like your voice. What are your What are your thoughts? It's uh, It's oh, interesting how you. it is a very sexy how, voice. Like it's it's now come not full circle, but whatever the opposite of a full circle is, it's come semicircle. And how gaming <laughs> used to be just it's gone on half Japan. an Xbox 360. <laughs> it's gone made an Xbox 180. Um, yeah, how, yeah. <laughs> obviously Japan is where most gaming really got started, especially console gaming. Seeing that like most consoles mm-hmm. didn't come out in America until a year after they came out in Japan, if they came out here at all. Uh, it's always been yeah. a thing with like tons of exclusive games that never make it outside of Japan, even though the U.S. wants them, like Mother Three, Earthbound Two, all that kind of stuff. 
And then to see over the last couple of decades how that's been shifting towards more of a balance with the, like a worldwide launch all at once for a few generations of systems to now being like, well, it looks like some stuff is starting to launch in the rest of the world before it launches in Japan. It's I think it might be a little bit of both the self-fulfilling prophecy of like, oh, it's selling less in Japan, so we're not going to release it in Japan as as widely as we did everywhere else. And that might that might be contributing to it a little bit, but also like them moving out of Japan and relocating to California, having one centralized thing, catering more. Like if you look at their first party studio lineup, the games that they have coming out are very much focused on Western audiences as opposed Absolutely, to the Japanese yeah. market. So it's it's Many a little of the bit. Developers of, are just straight up in the U.S. or the U.K. Absolutely, yeah. So I think it's a little bit more of a, a cultural shift in gaming away from Japan where it all started and now becoming more of a worldwide phenomenon accepted kind of in all cultures. Mm -hmm. But also I think that it's a little bit about um, their propensity towards mobile gaming. Not mobile, but handheld gaming. Yeah. Uh, over the last... Absolutely, yeah. Uh, since the DS came out, PSP, PS Vita, all that kind of stuff. Like handheld gaming has always been huge in Japan. Um, I'm like 77.456% sure that it has, in every generation, handheld has outdone console gaming. But I think even with the release of the Switch, that we are, we are seeing so many more handheld gaming opportunities in Japan than we are console. Xbox obviously has never really broken into it, but they've also never had a handheld console. Um, Vita was doing well in Japan. It continued to sell there even after they discontinued it in the other markets. And, um... So I think it's just, it's a, Sony doesn't have a handheld market anymore, so it's more focused on the home console, so obviously they're going to kind of lessen their presence in Japan as well. And as far as the yeah. the shipments go for, like, reducing the, the SKUs in Japan to only the PS4 Slim, I think I read that part of that was in order to refocus the manufacturing towards PlayStation 5. Like, if we stop producing a PS4 Pro mm -hmm. that's already not selling, we can pump out more PlayStation 5s, which is already in such high demand and and not readily available. So. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting so, yeah, to see that shift away from selling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely, you know, interesting. I think you make a good point, but it's just this, it's a big cultural change that's been happening over the course of a while. And I think you also hit the nail on the head with, um, with the mobile being more prominent there. I mean, one of the things that surprised me when I was looking through, you know, the top 10 list for, for each year was that the year that Dragon Age 11 came out, because remember it came out on 3DS as well, and it's like, why would they do that? Dragon because Warrior. Because that sold 11. better than... Dragon Quest, sorry. Not Dragon yeah, Age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, technically, same thing. Um, you said, sorry, you said Dragon Age, which is the Ubisoft game. Oh, I said Dragon Age? Yes. I meant to say or Dragon Quest. Um, so yeah, so Dragon... I almost said Dragon Age again. <laughs> Dragon Quest sold better on 3DS by several hundred thousand units than it did on PS4. Both were still in the top ten. That's still a huge franchise in Japan. But I don't. That's just that's not something you would expect. Normally, you'd expect oh the big console version would sell better than the you know 3DS crummy quote unquote crummy handheld <laughs> edition of it. But that's a very I think more like American a, a way of thinking about which game you're going to buy. Do you remember when they like, announced I think, the bundle where you would get in the same box the 3DS and PS4 version? And we're like, whoa, that's so crazy to see two yeah. competing consoles with the same game and the same version. But I wonder if that was just like to try to subliminally say, hey, this is out on PS4 too. Go ahead and, and buy a PS4. It's it's cool there too. Promise. Yeah. I wonder if that was just to get them to play more at home as like a little strategy. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. 
Um, it's, so it's, it's really cool to see that. And I feel like Nintendo is probably just going to keep growing in Japan. And they might just now own that market. Yeah. Especially since Sony would, seems like they sense. are not interested in that market at all. Or not, sorry, not interested, not, not interested in Japan, yeah. but not interested in making a handheld in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I also think that the, it also adds context to that changing the confirm button from circle to cross. I think that kind of exemplifies that. When they went to decide which one was going to be the standard, they went for how it's done in America and the UK, not how it's done in Japan. You know, so, though, definitely the comp. That kind of it kind of makes sense. In in the last couple of years, we've seen even at the corporate level with the consolidation of not having different marketing and different PR sections in different regions. Uh, them kind of just trying to make one Sony or one PlayStation. Um, for all of these markets. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that like localizing all of these support documents and controllers and the way the games work and things like that, having to go and make separate versions of these just for the Japan audience, I'm sure it was a little bit of just like, let's just make things work one way. Let's make it simple. Let's not have to have oh, separate yeah. localized things for everything. It's 100% that. I think it just shows where they lean is they're leaning more towards the Western markets because they went with how it works you know in in the west and like and i'm also just glad that happened too because like dark souls on switch for example drives me absolutely bananas how you have to hit b to confirm where i'm so used to, that's to me b is back a is accept and so it's just it's so backwards to me um so yeah i thought this was a, a really interesting story because i think that i mean sony obviously is still a japanese uh company and that that's of course not going to change um but it is interesting how they've responded to the market essentially over the course of two decades and shifted jim ryan has kind of maintained like no we haven't forgot about japan but they definitely are shifting away from it not completely go they're, not gonna the go away. they're not going to pull a microsoft on japan it's just not going to happen yeah. but anyway yeah i thought that was interesting moving on to playtime unless you have anything else you want to add to that nope hate it i hate everything about it no i'm just kidding it's great <laughs> Well, tell me how much you hate Destiny 2, because I know mm. you just hate that game. It's horrible, Hold and you in. just keep playing it because you can't stop seeing how bad it is. It's the worst game in the world. So bad that I even looked up Destiny 2 <laughs> tattoos this week. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> I love it that much. We've, Commitment. We've, uh, You know, uh, I've talked about it a lot of times on this podcast. We've gotten sucked into it in a way that we've never been before. We realized, as we were prepping for this raid, um, that... We have become the people who once embarrassed us last year. There was an opportunity last year. We were doing a raid, and there were like four of us. And we're like, damn it, we need two more. So we brought in some randos to help us finish the, just the final boss of this raid. Um, and the guys got in there, and they're like, all right, all right. <clears throat> what are you guys running? Do you have blah, blah, blah? And we're like, uh, I have a sniper rifle. Oh, okay, okay. Well, go ahead and equip this mod. Do you have uh, this ability? Uh, let's run the warlock with this blah, blah. And we're like... Um, can you say that again? What is, what is that you're talking about? And they were literally like... It's like a funny Nemo. It's like he's talking in some other language or something like <laughs> <yeah>. that. <laughs> and then they were just like, Jesus, how long have you guys been playing this game? And we were like, hundreds of hours. <laughs> but they were just like, Ugh. And then they just left. They got so frustrated with us and left. And we were like, oh my God, what a bunch of assholes making us feel like shit for not knowing whatever meta is in the game. And then we literally this week were like, all right, how do I maximize this? I need to get a slug shotgun, which I get from this. And then I need to optimize it with this mod to drop the ammo. And I'm going to charge everybody with light. And while you're charged with light, make sure you have high energy fire on so you do more stacks, more damage per stack. <laughs> it was insane. 
We were beautiful minding this whole thing. Um, shout out to everyone involved. It was <laughs> me and Dallas and Matt, our usual fire team. Oh, no, wait. That's the Destiny one. That's the Destiny call. Uh, and we had Jerrica from JK Games, who will be back on our podcast later this month to talk about control. Uh, we had uh, Trevor from every podcast that's ever been. Uh, and Kyle St. James, who I don't know if you know this every, every or not. Every single one. Every single one. I don't know if you know this or not, but Kyle St. James has divinity. So uh, he joined us as well. And that's an inside joke that you won't get. It's an inside joke that I don't really know. But and when I say it, they laugh. So I yeah. say it a lot. Um, but no, it was <laughs> it was a wonderful time. We had spent weeks preparing for it, watching videos. Some of us watched the videos 30,000 times. Some of us watched them like two-thirds of one time. Uh, but we were all able to get through it together. We squatted up Saturday night. We went into this thing. I was already feeling good. I felt like we understood the meta of this game in such a way that we hadn't before. That I was like, I think we're way overpowered for this thing. It's going to be fine. And if you don't know anything about the raids in Destiny, they are they require so much communication and like coordination. And so if you have anybody that like doesn't quite know what's going on or you haven't all agreed on the nomenclature of like what every single box in the room is going to be called or what levels are um then it becomes really difficult. So shout out to everyone for being really quick to adapt to things. Uh, there were a couple of moments. We spent six and a half hours on Saturday night. There were some ups and some downs. We didn't beat it. Six and a half hours? Six and a half hours, hours on Saturday night. By, wow. Like, by comparison, dedication. when we did the Leviathan raid, it took us about 10 hours. When we tried the Leviathan prestige version, we did 28 hours and we didn't finish it. Uh, but this one, we spent six and a half hours and we didn't beat it. We got to the final boss. There was some real fun shit going on. Like the first encounter, we had to like call out some shit and, and people were dying, but we got through that pretty quickly. Um, but then we got to this place. There's a, a lower floor and then there are three people that take elevators up to space and they're out in space and there's an upper floor. And you have to fight this this boss that keeps popping up in different areas and, and there are copies of him. You have to figure out which one's the right copy and deal damage to that before he explodes and wipes the whole team. After you do that to him once, he leaves behind this little ball, that, this this debuff that you pick up. And in true alien form, you have to take the elevator up to the top and you have to go into an airlock. Someone has to shoot the debuff off of your head and then you have to suck it out the airlock into space before it kills everyone. <laughs> so you have to do that <laughs> like awesome. eight or nine times throughout the whole thing. It's, it's a kind of a, an interesting, really cool mechanic. A nice shout out to, to Alien. Um. But so there are there are four airlocks upstairs in space. And so <laughs> we keep running and I'm like, all right, I've got the debuff. I'm running upstairs. Kyle has the debuff now. Which room? And you can only use each airlock one time. So Trevor's in charge of calling out where you're going. All right, you're taking the first airlock on the left. Great. So I run in there, shoot it off my head. Boom. All right, uh, Dallas, you're taking the second airlock on the left. I'll be there to shoot it off your head in just a moment. Cool. Great. Shoot it off of his head. Sure enough, a minute and a half later or so, we're all dead. Like, what happened? I don't know. I hit the boss. I got the right one. Man, we must. somebody must have accidentally hit the wrong one. I don't know what's going on. About an hour of us attempting this, this encounter, we realize the second airlock that we've been sending people to was not an airlock. It was just a closet that monsters spawn from. <laughs> nothing's getting sucked out. We're just dropping a bomb in a closet and running away. And then we're like, why did it explode? I don't understand what's going on. Um, 
That's really funny. So that was great. Trevor felt like <laughs> such an asshole. He was so embarrassed because um, he was in charge of calling out where people go. So uh, we figured that out, got through to, it. To be fair, though, to Trevor, and just from my experience with those raids, mm-hmm. they're just ambiguous as fuck to begin mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're so ambiguous. It's not There it's is not no something... shame in not understanding a destiny raid. Yeah. It's not something that you want to go into without understanding or knowing what's going on. So that's it's a very small piece we overlooked yeah. of, a, of a lot of different shit. But we got to the final if boss. If anything, it's probably more of a game design problem. Well, in... <laughs> In the game's defense, the airlocks have two doors. One of them opens into space, and you can visibly see things getting sucked out of it. In the monster closet, it's literally just an alcove with a fog door behind it. The monster's coming out of So, like, they kind of don't even look similar. Um, but anyway. Uh, so, yeah, we get to the final boss. We are attempting over and over, trying different strategies. We're getting frustrated. We spend about two hours on it, and then we just get burnt out. And Trevor's like, guys, I did not expect to spend six hours tonight. I've I've got to go eat dinner. I've got to you know I've, I've got to do other shit. I'll give it a couple more runs. We'll figure out another time. We're like, ah, great. So we ended the night knowing we were going to go back on Sunday night, which is why we're recording this a day late. Because we coordinating six people's schedules is a nightmare, especially when one of them has a family with beautiful kids, and then one of them works a job like a normal person and does not work from home, and then one of them is, uh, you know. All of these people having to coordinate all of these schedules. So we finally figured out, okay, we could probably do Sunday if we move some things around. But we left that night feeling really dejected and despondent and upset and depressed. And then... That's what the D in Destiny stands for. It's what the D in Destiny 2 stands for. All those things. Then I find a video that says, beat the final boss in 40 seconds. I say, what? (laughs) (laughs) And we watch it. And we figure out that... The key to beating the final boss is just that everyone has two shotguns, <laughs> and that's it. You literally have a <laughs> shotgun in your primary, a shotgun in your secondary, and instead of like using supers and trying to use high-powered machine guns and rocket launchers, it's literally just everyone get in one circle, go through a bubble, get in a circle, fire all your shotguns into them. Switch to your other shotgun, fire all your bullets into them. Switch back to your first shotgun and just do that. And we, we beat him within about 30 minutes, the, our, our second night. And it was, like, so great. It was wonderful. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> I just burped up Brussels sprouts, and that tastes disgusting. Uh, so, yes, we beat it. We were all so happy. We rejoiced, and then immediately started it over. So <laughs> we went, and we, like, let's do the first <laughs> encounter again. Get that chest. Get those spoils. So we went and did the first encounter again in, like, 10 minutes. It was great. Um, I think we're going to be, as that group, raiding a lot more. We all want to get Divinity. Kyle St. James has it. I don't know if anyone knew that, but Kyle St. James has Divinity. So we're going to go get that gun, which requires us to do another raid, the Garden of Salvation raid. And then we're just going to keep running this shit. It's so good. It's so fun. So yeah, that was that was our experience with it. We had a great time. It's over. Tell me about Animal Crossing New Horizons, Holden. Sounds just as exciting. Yeah. It is... Let me tell you, the raids in Animal Crossing New Horizons are crazy. Mm. It's like, go over there, shake a tree, run away from the wasps when they come after you. It's nuts. <laughs> it's bananas. Um, yeah, so just playing more Animal Crossing New Horizons. Uh, I don't want to like, I don't want to talk about what happened this week, because I think we all know what happened this week, and it was just fucking abysmal. And this is just a great, like, the world doesn't matter. What matters is making sure that 
I get all these flowers um, in this little like valley location that I made or cave like I don't even know what it is but I like it it looks cool it has lots of flowers it's very pretty and I worked on that and it's great and I'm at a point now where actually right before recording I tried to, to upload my Animal Crossing Island um to get a dream code so I could share that on Twitter so people can see it. And then later on this week, I'll make a video, but it wasn't like letting me catch on the internet for some reason. So I couldn't do that yet, but I will do that soon. I'll post, I'll post it to Twitter. Um, so yeah, I kind of feel like my Island it's, I'm not a hundred percent happy with it. There are a few parts where I'm like, this feels kind of boring right here. I know I could do more with this. And I just went through all the furniture types I had, all the recipes I had. And I'm like, what can I make or what can I buy? Or what can I pull from my inventory to like pretty this place up a little bit? Um, and I just need to basically shop in the game more, just keep playing it, get more stuff, and I'll fill things in. But I'm like at a place now where I'm really happy with it. It feels like things on my island are very dispersed now and kind of have their own like kind of separate little areas, whereas before I had just one big like suburb, if you will, and then just nothing in the rest of my island. So that's it's, I think it looks better now. Um, I was watching some videos. I was feeling really good about my island, and I'm like, I went online and to YouTube and just watch some videos of like tours of this five star island and I'm like oh my god my island is garbage <laughs> like these people's <laughs> islands are insanely like intricately detailed um and I don't I don't I'm like you know what I'm fine if my island never looks like that I like my island <laughs> you'll never have, be fully like, my satisfied own story with behind it it's art like even Michelangelo he's like I painted the roof of that Sistine Chapel, but I knew I could have put at least five more naked dicks on that <laughs> ceiling. And you'll never be satisfied. I feel like other people's islands are the Sistine Chapel, and the Sistine Chapel, and I have like a crayon drawing, and I'm like, you know, Michelangelo, doesn't this look good too? Like, I feel like that's me with crayon drawing <laughs> compared to everyone else's, like Michelangelo's David or whatever. Um, yeah, so still loving that game. It's still fantastic. Um, I do have like I, I'm kind of building up like a wish list now of like what I want this year because I was talking to um, John on Pixel Street podcast and we were kind of talking about like what we want in terms of like, quality life quality of life improvements and stuff and there's a lot and I want like a big like DLC update if whether it's free or paid for it doesn't matter to me I will pay for it at this point um, why not because I put so much time in this game I'm always gonna want more content in it at this point. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm like wanting more content now, and I'm really hoping. I think it's like my number one wish now for 2021 is. Is that something that's more like? Is that normal for Animal, Animal Crossing? Do they really ever get DLC, or is that would that be new on Switch? So, on Animal Crossing New um, New Leaf, they released something called like the Welcome Amiibo, and it was like twelve, like twenty bucks, and add all all these different like features and all that to the game. I had kind of gotten off of Animal Crossing New Leaf at that point, though. That was like several years after. I think that was like twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen, and the game originally came out. And actually, no, it was like twenty fifteen or something like that. But it was like three years after the game came out, so it's kind of already past New Leaf at that point. But I, I think that Nintendo's more open to DLC than they've ever been before. Right. I think Switch has, you know, proven that with not just, you know, Smash Bros, but also um, with Zelda having DLC, um, Splatoon having, like, DLC packs. Like, they, it's something they've been doing more regularly. And I feel like Animal Crossing is just perfect for, like, a big yearly DLC update where they add new stores and, you know, oh, you can add these new types of exterior designs for your houses now. So you have different door types. And, like, there's just, like, a lot they could do with that. And Animal Crossing fans would eat it up. Plus, that game sold... 13 million units or something like that last year something ridiculous like that 
they're going to want to tap into that audience for more money because they're a company after all. <laughs> but it also just makes sense in the context of what Animal Crossing is. Um, but that's not about Animal Crossing. I think, I don't know, are people tired of hearing me talk about Animal Crossing? I'm not. I love talking about Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also played Sackboy last week with um, the Nerds at Large fellows, Jeff oh, and yeah, Darby. Oh, yeah, that was this week, or last week. I forgot. Yeah, it was like last week. We did like, um, we've gone through like one world each time we get together and and I love that game, man. I really like that game. We had some internet problems this time, though. Yeah, I, I I'm, do I'm agree. Not sure I what think it was, was happening there because it was not there the first time. But we were having like skipping and glitching, and people like glitching all over the map and stuff like that. But yeah, it was it was weird. It was just that one time. Yeah, yeah. I got a trophy because of it, though. You did. Like I glitched out and I was just like hovering over the map and then it said you did a spin trick or something like that before touching the ground. And I'm like, did I? It <laughs> wasn't like, me. Literally, but okay, I'm not even trophy. able to jump on the map, <laughs> so there's no way I could yeah. have gotten this trophy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's right because it's on the world map. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, that game is 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 really fantastic. I think it's a totally underrated uh, gem of the PS5 launch. I agree. It's a shame it's not been selling better. It's good stuff. Exactly. Boy. I just would like to see more platformers. I think Sackboy's a good one. But anyway, anyway, we'll talk more about that as we play more of it. Um, moving on to the quest log. We actually have a sizable quest log for the first time in a while, which feels good. For starters, we got Microsoft. Xbox Survey asks, if they want PS5 DualSense features in the Series X controller, says Jordan Oleman at IGN. So consumers were asked in the survey from Microsoft if they thought the Series X felt next-gen or not, and also whether it was, quote, missing out on the features of a PlayStation controller. Did you fart or something? It was, like, really terrible. <laughs> I did. I'm, I'm trying really hard to breathe really shallowly, shallowly, because it smells so bad. I had Brussels sprouts as part of my dinner tonight, and it was, oh, my God. Well, it's do you terrible. think the Series X controller smells as bad as your farts <laughs> and needs PlayStation 5 features in order to make it better? Uh, it probably doesn't smell like lasagna, but it <laughs> does probably smell like plastic. Um, this, yeah, this is really interesting. Like, obviously, Xbox somehow DualSense surprised the shit out of them, I guess. Not only that it existed, but also that like developers and customers alike really love it. So yeah, there's that survey mm -hmm. going around, and and obvious. I I don't know. But there are two things about this survey. One, there's a question in there asking, are you aware of any other features and other like, are you aware of controllers that have different features than us? And then two, do you want those? Yeah. Um, I don't think anyone knows anything about next gen gaming right now without knowing that the Dual Sense is an awesome controller with haptic feedback and, and adaptive triggers. And yeah, I think absolutely. that. If I only had an Xbox, I would have so much FOMO, especially playing Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed. Actually, yeah, Assassin's Creed has the adaptive triggers. Like playing these games that has these games that has that have all of these really great implementations of it. I don't see how Xbox can't not make a version of the controller with haptics. And obviously they're interested in it or at least interested in seeing how many customers want that. And I, I imagine they're going to overwhelmingly have a positive response saying, yes, we would like that, please. Make that a priority for us. Although they did yeah, just and release... it's totally the kind of thing they could... Uh, sorry, they released a, yeah. uh, a picture of a new controller coming next month that is just red on the front and white on the back, and it looks dope. New Series S X cool. controller. 
dual sense, not dual sense, but like haptics, adaptive triggers. That's the kind of thing that they can add mid generation. Yeah. They don't have to change the box. They can just say, here's a new Xbox controller and it will work on your Series X and your Series S. And if they want it to work on PC2, it can work on PC as well. Like, I don't think it's a problem um, for them to do that. Hell, they can even and market it, it as the Elite version 3. If you want yeah, haptics, exactly. we have a new controller exactly. that's 30 bucks more. It's the new Xbox Series X Elite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would hope it comes to like the standard controller and they start bundling it in with the console because I would hate for people to miss out on that potentially because I really do think it adds a lot to the to the gaming experience. But I kind of feel like they have to do this. They have to. Yeah. And it also just I'm kind of selfish because I feel like third party uh, developers won't be as keen on adding those features unless it's everywhere. I feel like it's going to end up being that, the photo uh, mode of features where it's like. There were a few years there where photo mode started to take off, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, I fucking love it!" And developers are like, "Oh yeah, we'll add it, but it'll be like two or three months after launch, whenever no one's playing the game anymore." And mm-hmm. I feel like that's going to be the haptics now. We're like, "Oh man, it's a really cool feature, but we don't have time to implement it in our current roadmap." So maybe like we'll patch in haptics two or three months down the the road for you. Oh, that's such a shame. I really, I really hope they wouldn't do that because then it's not being tied into the mechanics of the game. I hear you. Like I definitely think that's that's valid. Um, it would, they wouldn't be tied to the mechanics of the game. Whereas, like, all right, Sackboy maybe may, maybe won't be the best example of this because it's not like obviously you can play it on PS4 without the haptics. Right. But I feel like everything feels so much more robust in that game because of the haptics. When you pop something, you can feel it yeah. popping in your hand. When you like pull it's just the anal beads cool out of that... the floor, and you can feel every anal bead pop out the <laughs> rectum. It's exactly, and it's just like anal beads are in real life. It's really amazing how lifelike it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I asked somebody the other day, but yeah, completely I, unprompted. I don't know why. I was, maybe it was right after we played Sackboy, and maybe I asked Matt or something like that. I was just like, you ever strung a couple of frozen grapes together with some yarn and put it up your ass? <laughs> Homemade <laughs> anal beads. Um, that's, my, that's my life. Chilled as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, See, so yeah, I, I think we're both going to agree instead. Like, Microsoft kind of has to do this. It would kind of be holding the industry back to not at least have the hardware capabilities there in the controller and the developers can then have a more informed decision if they want to do it or not. So, yeah. Jumping into Sony's quest log though, I think this next story is actually kind of a big deal. Yeah. Uh, The Killzone website has been retired by PlayStation, says Grant Huff at DualShockers. So right now when you go to killzone.com, Gorilla has like a message up there basically just saying that you know, it's always it's just going to revert to PlayStation.com now, but the multiplayer for, for Killzone Shadowfall and Mercenaries is still 100% in play, except for, like, making clans in Shadowfall. It's kind of the only thing that's kind of going away. Um, but I think it says a lot that they're probably are done with Killzone. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a brand that, as I think gamers, we've moved past. Like, the gaming community... Mm-hmm. It, Killzone yeah. was literally so much just like, oh man, we're gritty and we've got some red-eyed bad guys and we're just here to shoot shit. And it wasn't a good story. It wasn't an interesting <laughs> no. environment. It wasn't interesting enemies. It was literally just like cool looking shit and let's shoot it. Um and we've evolved past that. And I think that Guerrilla Games has evolved past that and with them doing Horizon Zero Dawn and whatever their second team is working on since they've created that that spin-off team. I think they're just like, we want to do so many more interesting things with storytelling and with game mechanics than Killzone can provide us. Um, 
And so, I, yeah, I think that's I think it's totally fine for that franchise to go away. It was always playing second fiddle to Halo, which is what it was trying to be the killer of anyway. And it turns out people don't even like Halo anymore. Maybe because they're realizing that it's not as good <laughs> as they thought it once was. Um, that was for Dallas. Halo's actually pretty good. I, <laughs> I think it's also just that they don't... That was a different time in kind of Sony's first party lineup where they needed to fill in a niche of some kind. And I kind of thought they realized they don't need to do that. They just need to make high quality single player games and let their development teams do what they want to do. So if Gorilla wants to stop making Killzone and make this open world RPG instead called Horizon Zero, absolutely, we trust you guys. Go for it. Like, see what you can do with that. Um, I think it's that, but also, like, it's not surprising that they can drop even a big franchise because they dropped bigger franchises like um, like Crash Bandicoot was just gone yeah. for a long time. The last they, they guy. They just let go of that property. I haven't seen anything since the PS3 launch of The Last Guy, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're probably not going to see Order 1886. Yeah. <laughs> Huge franchise they dropped there. Um, like Sly Cooper. I mean, it probably wasn't one of the biggest games from the PS2 era, but I think it was definitely one of their big mascots. Well, they did make at Sly the time, 4. So I don't think they have PS4. a... Pro- PS3. It was PS3, wasn't it? <laughs> I think it was PS3. But the point is, is they dropped that. Like they, it wasn't as prominent for them. And now we haven't seen Sly for a while now. They're dropping it like and Japan. Shadow People Falls aren't interested in it. It's kind of like the final. <laughs> They're dropping Japan. Yeah. So I think this makes sense for them. Something there's more debate on though is God of the uh, God of War series. So this is also from um, Zermanicon at PlayStation Lifestyle. God of War creator doesn't know if Ragnarok will be cross-gen, but he still strongly believes it will be. Um, so I guess there was like some comments that David Jaffe. This is also talking about David Jaffe, not Carly Barlog. Right, I had yeah. that little brain fart for a second where I'm like, like, "What God of War creator? The game you comes that... out this year, and you're the director yeah. of it, and you don't know? No, it's it's David Jaffe who did the original God of War. Yeah, original God of War." Um, and basically, I guess he made he does like a lot of YouTube videos now, and he made one where he's like, "Oh no, it's it's definitely going to come into PS4 as well." And people are like, "Oh my god, it's official information." He's like, "Whoa, I I don't have official information. I'm just basing this off of what I've seen in in the media and what um what uh, Jim Ryan has said." So it's this is not like confirmation, but if there's anyone who I would trust or speculation on this. It's the guy who used to work at that exact studio, has worked with Sony in a huge capacity, and knows how this business operates from like a literal game creator standpoint. Um, that I, I definitely trust his opinion on this. So this is probably, until it's official, the best we're gonna get. I uh, yeah, I I don't surface level. It would seem, oh, David Jaffe, he created God of War. He used to work as a director on the series, first party for PlayStation. He would probably yeah. know. But then I also see, uh, I follow Corey Barlog on Twitter, and he's retweeting, David Jaffe's playing God of War 2018 for the first time, like, over the last month. And he's just like, he's just like, <laughs> all right, jumping into this thing. I heard good things. The beginning what was pretty great. So but, and then he's like, oh my god, this game is amazing. And it's like, he had no idea about this game going into it. <laughs> it's like, how? How did you? I don't know. So... I don't know if he's as knowledgeable about the current state of God of War as we might assume he is, but I think that his point is that, yes, there are over 100 million people on PS4 that they could tap into if they make it cross-gen, and what they were able to do with PS4 Pro in that game is just mind-blowing. And then being able to offer probably like a 
a smoother, more detailed version of that on PS5, maybe with ray tracing or something like that, it would just like, I think that'll be enough of an experience right off the bat that it's going to be totally fine to be cross-gen. And it's, like I said, too, it's, it's just leaving so much money on the table, especially if they release a PS5 exclusive game like this that is such a big hitter and everyone wants to play it, but no one can because of supply constraints. Like that's how, how can you release a game of the year quality game without also letting people be able to play the game? I mean, that's maybe Half-Life Alex, yeah. but, um, but you saw what happened to Half-Life, <laughs> Half-Life Alex. Yeah, I think it. I've been thinking about that too because I'm like, well, I mean, their Horizon Zero Dawn is going to be cross-gen, so they do take big franchises and they will make them cross-gen like that. But then, like, Ratchet and Clank isn't as big of a series, but that's going to be PS5 only. But also, Gran Turismo is going to be PS5 only, and that's a huge franchise. So they've kind of gone both ways on this. Yeah. And, and that's right. And that France and thing I'm assuming, said Gran Turismo is coming the first half of this year. Uh, we don't know how credible that is, but yeah, yeah, and that's also. Uh, that's more official than David Jaffe talking on the matter. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, mistakes can happen in, that, in those regards. But anyway, um, I, I wonder, like, by the end of 2021, when PlayStation 5, let's see, say it sold, what was it, like 4 million units by the end of 2020 or something like that? The Like in that ballpark, I think? Oh, it was 4.3 million, I believe, yeah. Yeah, and then, like, it's estimated it might sell 16 million by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. So like, let's just say like, obviously it won't be the full, you know, 16 million by the, by the time it comes out, but let's say it sells like 12 million. Well then that's 16 million units. They now have out at that point of the most dedicated PlayStation fans. So it will be large enough that I think they could justify it. Um, but I think also I'm just kind of talking for my own, like my own desires because I really just want to see what they can do with that. Yeah. You know, that series where you can have these gigantic monsters that you couldn't do on PS4, you, you just couldn't pull it off as as well. Because um, I kind of feel like, and it just correct me if I'm wrong, because you have much more knowledge on God of War than me. But I feel like, in terms of like epic scale, in terms of like the gigantic monsters, you're literally fighting to, on top of these giant beasts in like God of War three, for example. Well, yeah, I think the the difference is God of War is a smaller s- story, so it doesn't quite reach those epic heights right. um, that that does. But I wonder if they can kind of find a blend with that because they can take advantage of the PS5 hardware. Um, yeah, there's so a difference I, I, in, in I guess scale. like I'm just still wanting to see that. It's a difference in scale. The, the yeah. original God of War series being you know about fighting all of the Greek gods and titans, like these people that literally were holding up the sky yeah. or Mother Gaia. It's mm-hmm. you're fighting on the back of the earth, like. That kind of thing versus the the scale of of twenty. God, I just farted again. I know it's going to be terrible. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you are fighting people like you know Thor and and um, I want to say Boromir, but I know that's Lord of the Rings. Anyway, these it's it's a much more personal <laughs> journey with this one. They're much more like grounded, yeah. humanistic uh, enemies that we're fighting this time too. And, yeah, you have the world serpent that was kind of really big and a prominent part of that game in the center, but I don't feel like this incarnation of God of War, though being related to the original, calls for that kind of scale. It's I think it's a much more intricate, like intricate, intimate uh, experience with smaller scale. But I think it, yeah. yeah, it would I be think cool part of to like, revisit too. some of those giant, amazing uh, experiences from the old ones on mm-hmm. PS5. The, uh, the other part of that, too, is that... I think that's, that's a good point. The other part of it, too, is that 
the technical feat of God of War is that single shot throughout the entire game. That is kind of its own technical feat in its in its own you know place. Um, so there's also kind of that, and they have to weigh that out at the same time. Regardless, if the game is even like close to as good as God of War 2018, it's going to be a great game. So like we're still going to get something good regardless. I'm assuming. Um, unless they do a Last of Us Part Two and fuck it up, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> fuck Hades. <laughs> fuck Hades. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing how that comes out. I wonder how long it'll be before we see it because it comes this year. Like, just show it, show it. I want to see it. Um, so we'll find out. Moving on to the Nintendo Quest log, um, we have one just total bullshit story, but I, I couldn't help but put it in here. And then one story that's actually important. We'll start off with the important one. Uh, Nintendo buys Canadian studio behind Luigi's Mansion 3 and Super Mario Strikers, says Luke Plinkett, or Plunkett at Kotaku. So basically, Nintendo just bought uh, Next Level Games. Um, it's going to be finalized by the end of March. And in terms of like, with their pedigree, what they've made, their last several games, they basically make games for Nintendo. They've done a few ports, but lately it's been all Nintendo. They made Luigi's uh, Dark Mansion, Luigi's Mansion 3, Super Mario Strikers, Metroid Prime Federation Force, and Punch-Out, the remake that came out on Wii. Shout out um, to the most underrated Mario game in the world, Super Mario Strikers Charged on the Wii. That game fucking spanked. It was great. I never played that when I really wanted to. I'm not a big sports person, but I actually really do like the Mario sports games. I miss Mario Super Strikers or Super Strikers or was it Super Sluggers, whatever it's called, the, the baseball one on GameCube. That was really good. I want that to come back. Um, but yeah, I think this is a good purchase. Luigi's Mansion 3 and Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon are high quality experiences, like really, really strong games. And what I find interesting about this is the timing of it, because I kind of feel like it's been long enough since Luigi's Mansion 3. This is just me speculating, but that Luigi's Mansion 3 wasn't in and itself the main catalyst for this purchase. Yeah. I feel like it's the pedigree, obviously, of the games they've made. Um, that goes without saying. But also, it's been like over it's been over a year now since Luigi's Mansion 3 came out. Is there something they're working on that Nintendo really likes? And are like, okay, we need to buy these guys because they know our our brands really well. They know how to make kind of games in the style that we like. Um, it kind of got me excited of like, ooh, what, what are they making? Because they haven't been doing nothing for the past, you know, year plus. Yeah. So I think this is cool. I'm excited because for the first, like, aside from Luigi's Mansion 3, which itself is kind of a spinoff, everything else they've done has been like a spinoff game. So like Metro Prime yeah. Federation Force or... Uh, Super Mario Strikers, Dark Moon, like even Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, which is like the 3DS spinoff of Luigi's Mansion. So I'm really ex like mm -hmm. excited to to see if this means that they're going to be working on something more like mainline and, and, and primary Nintendo's catalog and see what they're able mm -hmm. to do with that. That's really cool. Maybe Breath of the Wild Maybe they'll too. just make Luigi games. Maybe Breath of the Wild <laughs> too. Oh my God. Can you imagine if they started this year and said... Development Breath of the Wild 2 has not been going well. We've decided to restart <laughs> development and hand it to Next Level Games. Oh, man. That'd be the worst news ever. Um, yeah, so this is good news for Nintendo. I think this is good news for all Nintendo fans. This is good stuff. What is not good is this next story because it's so stupid. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> stupid. Um, first, yeah, right. It's basically... Um, the fake Nintendo Direct leak, quote, reveals the name of Breath of the Wild 2 is the headline here from Kate Great Nintendo Life. Really what this is is a 
effectively bullshit leak of what a direct that was supposed to happen today had like uh, in the lineup and it's like the biggest like I think I'm putting here yeah, extreme wishful thinking I've ever seen. Yep. And one of these, it's, it's like every every game that we've ever wanted to hear about apparently was going to be shown off in today's Nintendo Direct. <laughs> yeah. Here's just the first party software where they also say software. Yeah. They it's misspell no software. E at the end. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nintendo World Park Tour, Mario Kart Nine, Splatoon Three, Super Mario Odyssey Two, Fire Emblem Echoes, Path of Radiance, and then Metroid Resurgence. <laughs> um, which is not Metroid Prime; it's Metroid Resurgence, meaning that it's a different Metroid game yeah. than the one that was announced. Um, and then also they're going to show the Switch Pro in there, and their Switch Pro is not going to have just you know a better hardware; it's going to have a better dock with the Dock Pro and Joy-Con Pros. And 256 gigabytes of storage. It's going to be $400. And, like, that's just the first party part. And then they go to the third party part, and then it gets more ridiculous. Um, there's going to be a new Kingdom Hearts game called Kingdom Hearts Destiny's Embrace. Bayonetta 3 is going to be there. Shin Megami Tensei 5 is going to be there. And then because of the pro, you're going to have Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Watchdog Legions, Resident Evil 2 Remake, and it just goes on and on with probably one of the best ones here too grand theft auto 5 premium edition because they're going to release the premium edition of a grand theft auto game on a nintendo console <laughs> that's likely it just like this whole thing is just like hilarious i love rumors like this because it's just i think they're really funny but um yeah it's just it's ridiculous oh and the name of the zelda game is also just really dumb uh the legend of zelda echoes of the past <laughs> yeah that, so that's there are two two major naming things in this that i was like this is obviously fake. Legend of Zelda Echoes of the Past is not a Zelda game. It is not clever enough. It's just a dumb no. name. On the flip side of that, Kingdom Hearts Destiny's Embrace makes complete logistical sense. Therefore, it is a fake name <laughs> because only abs <laughs> absurd names are actual Kingdom Hearts games. Yeah. Nintendo, I don't think, would ever have a year where they release this many great games, let alone all of them in one 40-minute Nintendo Direct. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Um, but again, we also know this is not true because this was supposed to happen before we recorded this. I just wanted to talk about it anyway. Um, although I did just see on Twitter before we recorded that they have said tomorrow they're going to have a trailer for um, th um, 3D World and plus Bowser's Fury. Oh, and Bowser's Fury. So we'll finally cool. get to see what that is. Yeah. See whatever the hell um, Bowser's so furious about. Yeah, I think it's probably just going to be like more challenging levels, like kind of an extreme form of like. Super you don't think hard it's going to be like, like a like a dumbed down of it? Because yeah, when they released Super Mario Wii U Deluxe, they they did the Bandit character that can't die, and then when they did Tropical Freeze, they did Funky Kong that like is super resistant to everything. You don't think Bowser's Fury has something to do with like? Here's, you play as Bowsette, this made-up character that the fans made that's sexy, but also is invincible. <laughs> I think two reasons why I, I don't think it would go that way. One is just Fury is an interesting thing to call the easy mode. Um, and the second is that um, they, they are pitching this as like Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Whereas I think like when they had... The other ones, it was like, oh, and we have an easy mode built into this, but the cover itself looked the same. Except for funky mode. What was it? Funky mode? Funky. Yeah, is that funky like in the mode. corner of the box? 
Yeah, I think that's in the corner of the box. That was really funny. That would have been awesome, though, if they did Donkey Kong Tropical um, Freeze plus Funky Mode. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. Um, I am looking forward to tomorrow and seeing what um, what is in store there. And I'll have to wait a whole week to talk about it. Almost Damn. a whole week. Yeah, very upsetting. Um, all right. Just got a third-party quest log. It's just a cyberpunk quest log. Yeah, it's just a cyberpunk quest log because we can't go a week without more <laughs> cyberpunk stuff happening. So let's start off with this. Um, cyberpunk 2077 cut content will apparently be added to the game with DLCs until June 2021, says Murdad Kayat at Dual Shockers. Just disclosure right now. This is the next one we're going to talk about, but CD Projekt Red has said none of this is true. So this is just some dude on um, on GameFAQs claiming he's a CDPR employee, and this is what he had to say. But I want to go through what he had to say just because, I don't know, I think it's interesting. Um, some of it, I guess, I wouldn't be surprised. We'll say that. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on them one by one. Um, some of the cut content includes entire quest lines, some of which management... Uh, just quote unquote weren't feeling and were rewritten like a dozen times apparently, and that those will be coming out in the DLCs later on. A full on transportation system in the whole game, a more detailed police system, and apparently it was more dynamic. It worked well, but then it hit a snag when it came in contact with another system in the game, and so it got fucked up. And they had to just implement a much much simpler version of it really fast. There's supposed to be a different Johnny Silverhand who's supposed to be even crazier, but then Keanu Reeves came in in 2018, and I guess he wanted to have more dialogue. He wanted to be a bigger part of the story, so they kind of rewrote huge chunks of the stories to kind of get him in there, and it changed his character and changed the story um, a lot. There was an underground section of the map that was just completely cut from the game. I realized I wrote completely cut from the game completely. Should I have said completely again? Uh, would there have been there would have been more lootable buildings um, in the game? So like sometimes when you go in, in like an alley or something like that, you'll see a door and you go to go to it uh, to open it up and it'll just say um, like the, the door is locked or inaccessible or something like that. But apparently a lot of those are going to be accessible according to this fake thing here. Um, and it's just not you can't go in those buildings anymore. Um, that's not a that's so not CD Projekt kind of came out and just that's like that's an entirely different game. They're releasing a different police system. Uh, <laughs> a central character to the entire story is going to be completely different than he was before. There's a whole underground section. The city is now suddenly like probably four or five times more explorable. No, that's not DLC shit. That is 20 years from now, a remaster that makes it better. Yeah, so this is the way they kind of phrased it, and I think this makes more sense looking at it this way, is they in the fake rumor they said that they were trying to go for like a No Man's Sky kind of update, and that is kind of how No Man's Sky handled it, is they would do updates that changed fundamental parts of, of the game itself. Um, they're kind of saying that's what they're trying to do here. And yeah, that stuff, though, is not stuff I necessarily believe. Like, I can't imagine that with all the issues happening with this game, they're going to say, oh, um, make sure that cars don't look like, you know, really stupid when you're looking from a distance. Make sure the the cops, you know, aren't like popping out of nowhere, but also make sure buildings are lootable. Need more buildings, <laughs> right. create all new environments inside these. That lastly just seems like weird to me. Um, the one where I kind of go, okay, that actually makes sense. I say three of these, I think makes sense. But again, CD Projekt Red just denied all of them. Um, one is the transportation system. There are like train lines all over the city. 
that don't actually have trains on them, which is kind of strange. So like, it seems like that's something they could have like cut. Um, entire quest lines that that are going to be added later. I think it's just how game development works anyway. We're like, hey, we don't have time to finish this quest log, but we're going to be releasing multiple DLC packs, which they have announced for this for this game, multiple DLC packs after its release, um, and and including new quests in that. I kind of feel like is exactly what they would do, so that, that makes sense to me. Um, but one I've actually heard legitimate um, legitimate uh, speculation, I feel like, even before this article came out was that Keanu Reeves coming onto the project in 2018 really changed the the story. It's actually... I mean, this was already reported as fact that Keanu Reeves wanted to double his lines in the game, so they did. Yeah, I mean... When you do that, he came onto the game in 2018. So, like, when you do that, that's a big change to the game that you're making and it will change the story and that kind of stuff. So I actually do kind of believe that one, but I can also see how CD Projekt Red would be like, don't acknowledge it, just it mean, just deny the whole thing. I understand, yeah. It's mostly an, all bullshit. An actor comes in in 2018 and says, hey, I would really like to play the character this way. Can we do more with this? Blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't mean that like, yeah. cool, the game's shipped now and so suddenly we have all of this other content already recorded with him and we're going to put it out in a separate deal. Like, no, like you can't change who he was without also having him re-record and react all of that shit. Unless you also have another character. Oh yeah. Another that content's not going to come back. Having all of that real. shit. Yeah. And then also re-recording all the other stuff. Johnny Silverhand already does in the game. It's like, that, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I agree. I think it makes sense that he came in there and said, hey, can we do this, can we do that? And they ended up adding to the game. But yeah, you're right. They're not going to bring in that cut content. And then suddenly Johnny Silverhand sounds like Cillian Murphy. Like apparently the guy said Cillian Murphy was going to play. Or he was inspired by Cillian Murphy or something like that. Like they, they can't do that. That would make, wouldn't make make any sense. Um, it, it just would not work. Um, so yeah. So I mean like and there's nothing – because I read the whole thing earlier this week and I actually – was surprised at how detailed it gets like reading the full like post um like this guy who made this must have spent a lot of time working on this because i think what makes it work and what made it seem so believable to people to the point where cdpr had to come out and say this isn't real is i feel like what this guy did is he took a lot of the speculation that was already happening about the game and like things that he saw some youtuber talk about or something like that and then turned it into this you know, kind of uh, accumulation of all these different stories into one big thing and being like, ah, oh, guys, I figured it all out. I'm a developer there and try to give it credence. Yeah. Um, I think that's likely what probably happened here. Because it got a lot of traction. I mean, it had like, I want to say it had like 10,000 upvotes on Reddit when I saw it. And that was just one of the posts. There were multiple that's all saying the same exact thing, just copy and pasted versions of it. So... Anyway, the official statement from CD Projekt Red was, normally we, do, we don't comment on rumors, but this time we wanted to make an exception as the story is simply not true. Um, moving on to the more important stuff. Report. <laughs> Report. Headline. Cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> has lost 79% of Steam players already, says Alex Calvin and PC Games Insider. Um, the decline is three times faster than The Witcher 3 back in 2015, which took three months to reach the same um, decline. Um, 
I retweeted the, actually the GameSpot version of this, which they have been pushing out like it feels like every day on Twitter, pushing that story out again. In case you missed it, here's this yeah. 79% story. Um, I don't think comparing it to The Witcher 3 is entirely fair. Because I think The Witcher stupid. 3 is a significantly larger game with its story. There are two things about The Witcher 3. It's a significantly larger game. So yes, it takes longer to get through it. Yeah. But also, The Witcher 3 did not have the pedigree before it that people knew that it was going to be amazing. Like, it looked cool from the trailers, but CD Projekt Red has The Witcher 3 to write off of. So people are like, oh my god, this is the same game. So everyone's going to buy it at launch that wants it, whereas The Witcher 3 kind of trickled out with word of mouth. Yeah. So it's going to stick around a little bit longer. That's a good. That's a really good point, yeah. The people who are playing it are that much more dedicated to it. It's like because saying, they just oh my god, Last of Us Part for, 2 sold it so much itself. faster than Last of Us Part 1. Well, of course it did. No one knew what The Last of Us was when the first one came mm-hmm. out, but now they know what it is and they want to see the sequel. <laughs> so it's got that going forward as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The And I, I'm, I know that the the issues of the game, I'm sure, are a factor as well. Because I think what's also important to note here, I feel like this article is being used to say, oh, is Cyberpunk is doomed because the drop-off and the you know, the story. I think I don't think that's true in this case because it's also like the number three best-selling game on Steam still. Like Every week it's still number three best-selling, which I think a lot of people are rather than... I think most people are in the, the, the lane of, I'm going to get this game, but I'm going to play it when it's fixed. And I kind of feel like that's a very that's that's probably the majority of the people yeah. right now is I like it, but I want to play it when it's completely fixed. So I can have the best possible experience with it. And also keep in mind that like th- these numbers are from Steam. So these are people who are playing on PC who mm-hmm. in general are having a better time than people playing on console. So like it could just be that yeah. they cool. I played the game and I beat it without any issue. So I'm done with it. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. people on console are just struggling it's- to keep it running. <laughs> and some people yeah it's also it's it's a much shorter game like when uh, we were doing the spoiler chat with uh, Darby Jeff and Brent you know um Brent had spent 23 hours and he beat the game that's you can do that in a month no problem yeah that is not hard to do so yeah i feel like this has just been this is just a story i feel like that is just dogpiling on all this cyberpunk stuff that's been happening that's all it is. Like, oh, we yeah, don't have any I'm, actual cyberpunk news anymore, but man, that was real hot for a month. So uh, what can we say about it? Yeah, exactly. It's January. There's not much stories. So like, just please, we need the advertising revenue. Yeah. P- publish it. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of what's, what's going on here. Um, and in the probably, not probably, the most important story of cyberpunk for the week is Polish comp- um, competition watchdog investigating Cyberpunk 2077, says Marie Delisendry at gamesindustry.biz. So Poland's Office of Competition and Consumer Protection is looking into how CD Projekt Red plans to resolve the issues of Cyberpunk, meaning that, like, how are they handling complaints from people and the refunds and how is that process going? Um, but also, like, are they living up to their promises of patching the game, getting those patches out in a timely manner? Like, are they lying to everyone again, or are they taking this seriously and trying to remedy their mistakes. Um, but they did kind of add that regardless of how CD Projekt Red handles post-launch, they are still very concerned about the pre-launch and are still looking at that pre-launch as well. And the fine for um, for this could be about 10% of their income, which is a lot. A lot. Yeah. And um, what, I, what I was reading is also that... It's looking forward to the 
looking forward at saying, hey, we're going to make this runnable with two main patches coming in January, February. That's like the big claim that they're investigating mm-hmm. and making sure they live up to. And if we get to the end of February and it's not runnable on console, that's when the up to 10% of their income fine comes into play. But from what I was reading, it's like, we don't like we we trust them. We expect it all to go fine, and nobody's gonna have to owe any money and all that kind of stuff. But like, it's good that people are watching out for it just in case. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I also just even kind of outside of the gaming industry, I love this idea of percent of income as your fine as opposed yeah. to a flat fee. Mm-hmm. Makes far more sense because I feel like so many big companies can get away with doing things because they just build in the fine into their. In, into their, the shitty thing that they were yeah. planning on doing. All these like, oh, Facebook Whereas accidentally hard- leaks a trillion people's shit. Oh, they get fined $2.4 yeah. million. And I was like, okay, literally, that's like Mark Zuckerberg makes that over coffee. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. It's so this, I'm, that's cool to see. I'm not sure if that's just a how um, Poland works in general, but big thumbs up. It's a good idea. Um, yeah. And, like you were kind of saying about how it's going to handle, how they're going to handle it, how they're going to be waiting for the February patch. We'll see how it turns out. Not really much we can say until then. Yep. I want it to do better, but we'll see. And that completes the main quests and the quest log for this episode. We have our fetch quests remaining. Got a few here, not too many. First one, rumor, headline. The Elder Scrolls Netflix series is the latest TV adaptation. This is a rumor, so we don't know for sure. Liana Rupert from Game Informer says, um, Liana can also confirm, though, there are five other game series in the works at Netflix. Does that include previously announced ones? Ooh, yeah. Like Castlevania Season 3 and The Witcher Season 2 and the anime from Devil May Cry. And like, does that include those that we know? Assassin's Creed is also happening at Netflix. And there's an anime Assassin's Creed. I'm checking. And there's a something else Assassin's Creed. Like, there's a lot of shit already confirmed for Netflix. The quote here is, I can confirm there are five more gaming adaptations that work over on Netflix that have yet to be officially confirmed. So it's like outside of Witcher and all that stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Netflix loves Um, games. They do. They do. Well, The Witcher's done really well for them. I don't know how well Elder Scrolls would be compared, how good Elder Scrolls would be compared to The Witcher. The Witcher is much more narrative focused than something like Elder Scrolls. Yeah, I feel there's like there's a lot of lore there. So like they could make it work, I guess. But Witcher's much more of a narrative game than and it's than Elder I mean, how exciting can you make a show about picking up too much cheese in cups and then suddenly having to go through your backpack and figure <laughs> out which cups to drop? <laughs> I mean, that sounds great to me. That sounds awesome. And that's the Elder Scrolls experience. When I heard, <laughs> <laughs> when I heard five other video game series in the works, I'm like, please do Mass Effect. I think you can make a great Mass Effect TV show. I don't show. know. Here's, I think a Mass Effect TV show could be wonderful. But these Netflix adaptations of things so far have just been like, they've been a step below Mandalorian. A step below Game of Thrones mm-hmm. seasons one through seven. And they're, they've just been like <laughs> pretty good. The only seasons. The only seasons. I don't Can't regret wait for watching it, but it's, it's not It's going to be great. really interesting to see how they do it. <laughs> yeah. I just, mm-hmm. I want, yeah. I want if they make, because I was thinking about this today, I was like, man, do I really want all of these things? I was like, I want a Bioshock one, because I've been talking about that forever. I want a Bioshock TV show. But I was like, yeah. I don't want it if it's not going to be done really, really well. If it's not going to be an HBO mm-hmm. Last of Us Part 2 or Last of Us TV show caliber thing. 
I want Mass Effect, but I don't want Mass Effect on <clears throat> or even mediocrely. Yeah. That's fair. Like, if the I don't Krogans want look like really dumb, and you're supposed to be... Yeah, if the Krogans look really dumb and they're not intimidating, they would be kind of like, oh, they look cheesy and, like, fake. That'd be upsetting. And you'd have to actually have a good budget, because think about it like uh, Alien Life Forms, like the... Um, Salarian, is that... Tur- I get the Salarian and the Turians conf- confused in Mass Effect. I think Garrus is... Garrus is... A Salarian. Oh, Salarian? Is Turian? I don't remember. I don't, I don't I need to look it up now. I need I need to know. Garrus is a sniper. Little my Garrus. He's a sniper. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, I think you make a good point. Netflix doesn't necessarily have the highest production quality with their shows. I feel like they put all their money into Stranger Things and everything else is just kind of like, yeah, hopefully it's people so watch weird. that. Yeah, because they like they start obviously House of Cards was phenomenal for the first few seasons. Yeah, and they had Stranger Things it's like they mm-hmm. they had so many hitters, and then now it's just like let's also make everything that's trash. <laughs> I don't even have Netflix anymore because I just like don't. I don't know. Just there's there's stuff. I Dallas have Netflix because I have the Queen's Gambit in my Netflix queue for eternity, and one day I'm going to watch it. So I might as well pay $17 a month for it. It's so that's the thing too is it's so expensive. Yeah, especially um, if you wanna, if you don't want to watch it in 4K, it's like 11 bucks. But if you want to watch 4K, you have to pay for the 17 which or I do. a month. Yeah, right. Yeah. I also thought this week I was like, right Man, now I have. There are people out there who have Hulu who watch ads. Like, who literally will watch an episode of Lost and watch multiple ads in it. And I was like, the 1% feels good, man. Nope. <laughs> that extra $3 nope. a month or whatever it is I can afford is, is so good. Yeah. For me, like, that's the base price of Hulu is the ad-free version. Yes. I hate ads. Being home with my parents and watching them. For, watching my parents watch TV is fascinating. One, because... <laughs> It's ads like crazy. And in fact, my parents, they they will either sit there and just watch shows that are 10 minutes of shows, 50 minutes of ads for an hour. Or they will, something comes on at 9, they wait till 10 so they can watch it and fast forward to the commercials. And then the other night they were like, oh, let's see if there's anything on. And like their version, like they literally are still flipping through the channels. Like they're just like, oh, let me go to the channel guide. Scroll through, scroll through. Oh, nothing's on. I guess we'll watch the football game. I was like, <laughs> you didn't even check Hulu. You didn't check Netflix. You didn't check HBO. You didn't check any of that. <laughs> you just saw what was on cable, which is nothing now. It's trash. Sorry, that was a weird tangent. The, the ads on TV and on Hulu wouldn't bother me as much if they didn't show the same ads over and over and over and yep. over again. That's Especially the, now the that ads are trying to be like funny and stuff. That. Yeah. Where it's like, all right, I the first time I saw it, I laughed. I did. That was funny. It was a cute little 30-second little skit. But like the 13th time you've seen it, you're like, I'm not buying your product. I'm never going <laughs> to. I won't look at your product ever again. I want nothing Those to Tide do with it. Those Tide Pods look it's delicious, horrible. but I will not buy them. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of not buying them, Resident Evil movie reboot has re- a release date. Dennis, Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks in September 9th, 2021. Ooh. I know where I won't be when that movie comes out. Uh, there's a correction but in the I chat. But I will go see the next one. Dallas says uh, Garrus is Turian. So. Yep, I, I called it out. Oh, you did? Sorry, I, I didn't listen because I was going on a Hulu rant, I, I think. Yeah. 
No worries. It was, hey, Tulu's important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal. The new Uncharted movie is also a big deal, and images were revealed teasing Tom Holland's upcoming adventure, says Liana Rupert at Game Informer. There are four pictures here, and we kind of see what the MacGuffin of this movie is going to be. It's just this cross key. It's so funny that people think that's Tom Holland's hand and that this movie is not just Photoshop pictures from the video game. That's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, these pictures tell us nothing, um, but it... Um, it, the movie st- looks like it's coming out. They have stuff. They're promoting it. These are just I'm still really from the not next game. excited for it, though. To be honest, actually, I'll go see it, but I I wouldn't say that I'm actually excited. I'm for not it. excited for it. I I like you. I will go see it, but I am not excited. I am ready to be proven wrong. It's possible, yeah. And here's the thing too: is the most recent Tomb Raider. I actually liked, but I knew it wasn't, it's not a great movie, but I had fun with it. If it's like at that level, I think it should be better than that. Like, again, I like I want Nathan Drake in general is a more interesting character. I, I want good versions and of these things. I, I don't like, want them just to exist. I want them to exist and be good. I want them to be Indiana Jones. I literally just want them to make Indiana Jones and call it Uncharted. But don't make new Indiana Jones. You can just, <laughs> just remake the original Indiana Jones, <laughs> word for word, shot for shot, with Tom Holland in it. <laughs> Uncharted and the Raider of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nintendo dominates Amazon's best-selling games list for 2020, says Ryan Craddock at Nintendo Life. And holy moly, there are one, two, three games in the top ten that aren't Nintendo franchises. That's bananas. You want to know why? Animal Crossing New Horizons is number one. That's not surprising. It's because it's all, all these sense. babies who have Nintendo products. All the adults buy their shit digitally. So, of course, you got to get the babies <laughs> cartridges so they can't eat them because <laughs> they taste bad. Oh man, I'm so good. <laughs> they do. You licked one, didn't you? No, yeah, I know you I licked, licked one, one. on you air one too? while we were recording the podcast. That's right, I did. I, I did. Yeah. Um, it, but also good for Nintendo that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is still number three. Kicking. Yeah. Whew. They they probably have like on average employees working in that game, like 1.75 employees working on that game over the course of a year. Just doing updates. I don't know why I came up with that random number, but not a lot of, lot of not, lot of, not a blah, not a lot of people working on that game, and they just bring in bank. Yep. That tells me we're never going to see Mario Kart Nine yeah. on the Switch. It's just why, why would they, why would they do that? So yeah, good for them. The games that weren't Nintendo related uh, in order of sales: Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven on PS four, Minecraft Java Edition for PC, <laughs> and The Last of Us Part two. All those poor people who bought Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven on PS four. <laughs> Epic acquires this is the last story of the week. Epic acquires Rad Game Tools, says Brendan Sinclair at GameIndustry.biz. One of the tools included in Rad Game Tools, which I think is probably one of the main reasons they got it, um, was Oodle. And the most recent version of Oodle you might recognize as Kraken, which is a de- um, decompression algorithm that is t- that Mark Cerny talked about during the Road to PS5 event. And that um, 
And that exact kind of, it plays into the architecture, I guess, in, in a positive way, because Tim Sweeney's been raving about the PS5's architecture, and this is a component of that, so I think it makes sense that they probably were looking at it for those tools. I don't know much about the other tools there, but I don't know. definitely well, it's called Oodle, so it's got to be it's good. Been for a while. It's got to be good. And that's all the, the, uh, all the stories for this week. Chad, what, what else do we have We've got Game on, on Game Show. The Game on our Game Show. We play a game called Game on Boom. the Game Show on a Game Show. Game, 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 game. Hold in. We've got part two of Is Assassin's Creed Good? We have 15 remaining Assassin's Creed games that we do not know how good they are or not. <laughs> uh, this is a continuation. Actually, I lied. It's 14. Actually, I lied. It's 13. So here's the thing. Thirteen. It's rows Lucky eleven through twenty-five on the spreadsheet. Oh, the well, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's 14, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. It is fifteen. Uh, it is so fifteen. Fifteen. Oh games. yeah, if you count. Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Fifteen games. However, one of them, I I enlisted my sister to go and actually write out the Metacritic scores of all of them, so that I wouldn't have to go search for them and all that kind of fun stuff. And there was one mobile game that just wasn't on Metacritic. So. It is actually going to be 14 games. Ah. So hold on. This will go much smoother and a lot quicker because we already have the answers written on this folded in half piece of paper that I have not looked at since she wrote on it. But because she wrote on it in physical pen and paper, I'm not going to open it and look at any of them until we've answered all 15. So we're going to go through, give our answers to all 15 of whether or not we think these Assassin's Creed games are good. Or at least whether we thought people thought they were good. So this is a continuation again from last week. We did the first 10 Assassin's Creed games of all time, ending with Assassin's Creed 3, Liberation. Uh, in general, Holden was way ahead of me. He had 65... Or sorry, he was 65 off of uh, the actual Metacritic scores of these games total. I was 100 points off of the Metacritic scores for all of these games. We're going to finish up this Meaning week. you added up all the differences and all the points for all the guesses that we made. Correct, yeah. So we, we guess okay. what we thought it got on Metacritic... We reveal the actual number, and then whatever the delta was between those two numbers, we then contribute to our overall score. Lower is better. Yours it's was like golf. Is 100. Yes. The lower score is the better it's score. It's like Mario Golf. Right. Like much more like you're right. Much more like Mario Golf than golf. Yes. You're right. So hold on. Let's go through these 14 <laughs> games. Give what we thought Metacritic. Gave. And again, this is the critic score, not the user score in Metacritic. And then we'll go through, reveal mm -hmm. the actual scores. Are you ready for Is Assassin's Creed Good Part 2? <laughs> Assassin's Creed 4. I think you meant to say, report. Report. Assassin's Creed games, are they good? Assassin's Creed 4 <laughs> Black Flag holding came out in 2013 on everything in the world. It was a cross-platform game, cross-gen game when it came out. What do you think? Well, just, just to kind of before we do the guess, I remember this is a really popular one and one that was reviewed well. I remember that very distinctly. What I don't remember is last week. What was the range of low to high? Can we get the range of low to high sure, for sure. Of, last week's of what the actual game scored? Yeah, the lowest-rated game was Assassin's Creed Altair's Chronicles on. Android, Symbian, iOS, WebOS, Windows Phone, and Nintendo DS. Mm -hmm. That was a 58. The highest rated game of all of these was a 90. 
That was Assassin's Creed 2 on Java ME, Android, Symbian, Windows, Xbox 360, Xbox One, PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, OS 10, and Mac OS 10, which are apparently two different things. So, 58 to 90. Okay, so this is a really big one. This is a really popular one. I'm going to say 91. Oh, you're going with 91. Interesting. Okay. 91. I'm going to say it was really big. It was really popular. People really liked it. And the boats and the boats and hose. <laughs> but um, 90s is like best games of all time level on Metacritic. That's like where the Legend of Zelda lives. And all that kind of stuff. Um, so I'm going to say There's it already well, been an Assassin's Creed up there, though. I, well, it got 90 exactly. I'm going to go with an 88. All right, Holden, Assassin's right. Creed Pirates for Android and iOS came out that same year, 2013, <laughs> probably to capitalize on the boats and the hose. <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess you know, on this one first. I've never even... Oh, right, you go first on this right, one. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I've never heard of this game before in my life, and I'm going to give it a 64. Nope, yeah, 64. 64 is what I'm going with. I'm going to say 59. <gasps> Whoa. That's in the stinker for you. Okay, okay. All right, hold it. In 2014, we got Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry. This was on Windows, <laughs> Xbox 360, Xbox One, PS3, and PS4. I don't remember this one. I don't either, but it's such a dumb name. <laughs> I agree. I feel like maybe it was a... No, it wasn't. It wasn't because those are Assassin's Creed Chronicles. It's got to be related to Assassin's Creed Three in some way because it's it's not though because it came out after Black Flag. I don't know. Man. It sounds like it's like a DLC for Assassin's Creed Three because that took place during like the Revolutionary War. And yeah, Brent, if you're still in the chat, let us know Freedom what the fuck kind of Assassin's Creed that. Freedom Cry is. But Holden, what do you think it got? That was the 360 one, right? Like it was a it console. Was 360, Xbox One, what? PS3, and PS4. I don't know which one it originated on, but it eventually, I guess, came to all of them. Yeah. I have no idea. I'm going to say seven, 72. I don't know. I, I have you know no what? idea. You know what's weird? I was also going to guess 72, so I'm going to put 72 for me as well. Boom. All right, hold it. It just, it just evens out then. We both could be super wrong, but it evens out. It's exactly. totally fine. Exactly. Yeah. We now get to the two Assassin's Creed mainline games that were released in 2014. The first of which is Assassin's oh, Creed Rogue. This was the one that pre that came only to previous gen consoles that year, so PS3 and Xbox 360. Uh, it eventually came to everything else, including Nintendo Switch. I'm going to guess first on this one, and I'm going to say... I remember this one actually reviewing... See, I don't remember whether this reviewed better than Unity or whether eventually the story ended up being, you know what? Of those two games released, Rogue ended up being the better game. Like, was that something that that we all adopted an That's opinion exactly about later? That's exactly how I remember it. Yeah. So I'm going to guess. I remember it being at, I'm pretty sure it it was reviewed better to begin with as well. It was kind of like, of the two Assassin's Creed game, the one to play this year is actually the old one. It's kind of how I remember that playing yeah. out. What's sad is that Assassin's yeah. Creed Unity, I the only thing I remember is the fucked up faces from the PC. And then also that it had multiplayer and it never came back. And that also that they said that you couldn't do female characters because they're too hard to animate. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But we're talking about men. Rogue, very Rogue. easy to animate. Yeah. But women, it's impossible. We I did it two, make, two years ago, make Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation starring a woman. 
Anyway, sorry. Assassin's Creed Rogue, <laughs> I'm going to say reviewed at a... Well, that's when they learned it was so hard to do the animations. <laughs> God, we'll never do that again. <laughs> I'm going to say it's 81. 81 um, for Assassin's Creed Rogue. Yeah, I'm feeling that too, but we, uh, I'll do... All right. I'll do 81 as well on that one. I agree with you. I think I think that makes sense. I'll even out. All right, all right. Next up, Assassin's Creed Unity. This was the purely next-gen version. Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Windows. What do you think it got? <sighs> 74. 74. I'm going to go with a 77. I want to say that game reviewed better, but we only just saw the bug of the people's faces. All right, moving into a new year, 2015. I was thinking that at first, too. Assassin's Creed starting to experiment again with side-scrolling shorter adventures, starting with Assassin's Creed Chronicles China. This came to Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PlayStation Vita. Um, this is me first, right? No, this is... Yeah. Yeah. Yes, this is me first. Is I'm going to say Assassin's Creed Chronicles okay. China got a 68. I'm feeling the 60s too. Yeah. Okay. Because like Woodstock was really great. I loved Woodstock. <laughs> um, I'm just Dude, kidding. Snoopy's bird friend is so um, funny. <laughs> no, I, I, I feel in the 60s as well just because I don't, I don't remember people like hating on the game necessarily, but... I don't remember people praising it either, but it kind of leaned more towards the, we don't really need to play this, Yeah, is kind of what I remember the vibe being. And that's, because there's three of these kind of Chronicle games, right? Yeah, so there's Chronicles China, Chronicles India, Chronicles Russia, and then, oh no, that's a different game. So yeah, those three, three games. Yeah, I'm going to say 60, let's do 63 for this one. Oh, 63, okay, that is an, a D minus, right? No, sixty nine is a is a failing grade. Just kidding. Is it? No, sixty three to it a sixty nine. It depends on the school system. D. Seven. What are yeah, grades? It'd be a D, but like in some school districts, below a C is failing. Where some schools school districts have the D, some don't. What? School is. Yeah, and when I when I lived in Rhode Island, we had D's. When I moved to Texas, we didn't have D's. So Everyone basically, in Rhode went, Island has big anything D's. below a seventy is a, is a fail. That's the state motto. Did you know that? Look at our big blue bug. We all have big D's. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to fit in a license plate, but yeah. you know it, it, we we love it. We like it. Yeah. Uh, Assassin's Creed. <laughs> it's Syndicate. better than our actual one, which is Ocean the Ocean State. It's a terrible <laughs> name. Assassin's Creed Syndicate came out in 2015. One of the only Ubisoft games that is not backwards compatible on PlayStation Five. Um, Which one was it again? Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Came to Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Syndicate. You're up. <sighs> I think the thing with Syndicate was it was just kind of underwhelming. And this is kind of where the franchise is starting to feel stale. This is where they started to decide. Mm, it was after this that they're like, maybe we won't analyze this. Maybe we'll take a year. Yeah. Sixty nine. Sixty nine. Very good. Very good. I'm gonna go with a sixty two. Sixty two for me. Brand new year, twenty sixteen brings Assassin's Creed Chronicles India. Came to Xbox One, PlayStation Four, and PlayStation Vita. Uh, I'm gonna say Assassin's Creed Chronicles India got a seventy three. 
good enough to make a third game. I'm gonna say Actually, s- you know what? I think they announced all three at the same time, which is why they, they probably did, committed yeah. to it. And Okay, whatever. I'm still saying 73. I went 63 last time. I'm going to bet these games got worse as they went along. So I'm going to say 62 for this Chronicle game. Between this and the next Chronicles game, there is Assassin's Creed Identity for Android and iOS from 2016. <laughs> <laughs> Matt from Rhode Island in the chat also has a big D. It's Rhode Island State motto. We all have big Ds. <laughs> uh, Assassin's Creed Identity. Uh, Holden, what do you think that got? I don't even remember this game. I don't. I've never heard of it. Has heard of it. Do we know this isn't the one that didn't get reviewed? Do we know this? This is not the No, we will not be talking about the one that didn't get reviewed. Okay. Actually, um, I assumed it was the most recent one that didn't get reviewed, but I don't know for sure. So, yes, we'll be talking about it. One of these might have not have gotten reviewed. So, But there is another iOS okay. game, and there's another Android game coming up. So, We didn't hear about it. I don't remember it, so I'm going to assume it wasn't great. It's also just mobile, so you can already assume it's not going to be great. Okay. <laughs> um, all right, we're going to go with... We'll say 60. 60 for this one. 60, ouch. I'm going to say um, it's a mobile game, but they obviously keep making them. I'm 78. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a reason why they keep making them. Um, and then finally, to round out the Money. year, Assassin's Creed Chronicles Russia. This is the year they took off from the main franchise. So 2016 ends with just a Chronicles game. Again, on Vita, PS4, and Xbox One. Is it good? I'm going to say no. This one tanked it. 52. They decided they're never doing this again. 61. <gasps> Ouch. That went 63, Ooh. 62, 61. They just went down by one point each time they came out. <laughs> and they said, guys, we can't risk a 60 for the Chronicle series. We're done. That's it. It's over. Can't risk it for that biscuit. It's been a slippery, it's been a little slippery slope. Holden, we have five more games remaining. The first of which is 2017's Assassin's Creed Unity, colon, Arno's Chronicles. This was an Android exclusive <laughs> game. <laughs> what do you think this rated? Arno's? Is it? Arno's horrible name. I just think of literal noses when you say that. (laughs) I think of a nose. This might be the one that did. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Is this DLC or is it his DLC? No, this is an Android game. Assassin's Creed Unity. Arno's. This is literally just Android, not even iOS. 54. (laughs) Knowing it's Android, 54. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it the benefit of a doubt and say it's uh, 73. Four to go, Assassin's Creed Origins on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and Windows. This one, I think a lot of people liked it because it was Egypt. It was a fresh take on Assassin's Creed, but not as fresh as people wanted it. So I'm going to say it reviewed well, but not as well as it could have with an 83. I'm going to give it just a solid 80. 80, nice, solid like my cock. 2018's Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Stadia for the first time, and Windows. (laughs) This one, I remember being reviewed much better. People were big fans of this one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm going to say 87. 87. Whoa, boy. 87. 87. Um, 89. 
89 is what I'm giving. 89. Our final mobile game, Assassin's Creed Rebellion on Android and iOS in 2018. Holden. Oh my god. My fart smells like a rotted tuba. I'm going to assume this game was a rotted tuba. I'm going to assume that as well. 57. 57? Okay. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm going to give it an 81. I'm just going to be optimistic. 81. 81. And then finally. That's so high, dude. You got to take that back. There's no way it's 81. (laughs) Assassin's Creed Valhalla came out 2020, just a couple months ago. I'm going to say Valhalla got. It reviewed reviewed pretty well, but maybe not like Stella. I'm going to 85. 85 for Valhalla. So this is tough. First of all, it's the most recent one, so you think it'd be the easiest. Right. (laughs) But. Um, I'm trying to think now because I I think people kind of rank it below even Origins. It's kind of like really? Odyssey, Origins, Valhalla. Okay, okay. But I might be wrong. I might be wrong. So I'm kind of, my inclination is to say it's below Origins, which I said, what, was 80? 80, 80? Uh, you said Origins. That's great. Origins was an 80. Solid 80. Okay. And then I sang, solid like my cock. That's to the tune of Solid Like a Rock from that Ford commercial. Ford built tough. (laughs) (laughs) Also from Rusty Development. You're right. I'm going to say 78. 78. Okay. This is the moment of truth, Holden. We're going to go through and put the actual scores that each of these games got. I have the ballot right here. The Electoral College voted (laughs) on these games. And the winner is 80s. Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, you said 91, I said 88, it got an 84. Assassin's Creed Pirates, I said 64, you said 59, it got a 67. Hey, I was pretty close on that one. Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry, neither one of us knew what the fuck this was. We both said 72, it got a 76. Hey, hey, alright. Oh, wow. Assassin's Creed Rogue, the previous gen version, 81 is what we both said, it got a 74. However, we were both correct. What did Unity get? It reviewed better than Unity. Unity got a 70. I said 77. You said 74. Assassin's Creed Chronicles China. I gave it a 68. You gave it a 63. The real score is a super 69. (laughs) Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I gave it a 62. You gave it a 69. True story is a 76. A. Okay. Really? Wow. Assassin's Creed Chronicles India, you gave a 62, I gave a 73, survey says 64, you were pretty close with that one, Assassin's Creed Identity, (laughs) you gave it a 60, I gave it a 78, right in the middle is a 69, smack dab in the middle, moving on to Assassin's Creed Russia, Assassin's Creed Chronicles Russia, I gave it a 52. You gave it a 61. True Story is a 62. Damn. Damn, Daniel. Assassin's Creed Unity Arno's Chronicles for Android uh, does not <laughs> exist. Metacritic does not exist. Okay. Oh, the whole site's gone. Yep. Darn. Yep. There are, the two of them don't exist. I was told there was only one, but it turns out there are two. Uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. I said 83. You said 80. It is an 81. 
Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I said 89. You said 87. It is an 83. Assassin's Creed Rebellion does not exist on Metacritic. And then finally, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. You said 78. I said 85. It came in at an 80, which is lower than I expected it to be, as is evident by my higher guess. So hold in. Of these games... Actually, hold on. I've got to, I've got to get rid of this row. Uh, the rows of the games that aren't um, real. So I can take them out of the tally. So get rid of this row. Delete. And get rid of Assassin's Creed Rebellion. Delete. All right, Holden. In general... The average Assassin's Creed game reviews at a 74.77. In general, my so guess good. is averaged around a 73.2, and yours averaged around a 72.9. However, you really beat my pants. You beat my pants with an average delta of 100, not an average, an actual delta of 127 points, and I was way up in the stratosphere with 181. You beat me by almost, what, what is that? Just over 50 points. Damn, you just know your Assassin's Creed. Really well. Yeah. Very well. I'm a huge Assassin's Creed fan. Well, My favorites are Assassin's Creed Identity and Assassin's Creed Rebellion. Those are my favorite ones. Definitely, most deaf. So we can tell that... Yeah. Metacritic and the rest of the world thinks that, yes, Assassin's Creed games are good. Generally good. Extra, extra. Read all about it. We also see that you and I think they are generally slightly less good than the rest of the world, which works out to be true. <laughs> <laughs> that is it for, is Assassin's Creed good? Check us out next time for whatever the fuck other franchise we decide to do. And that's it for Game on Game Show. That is it for episode 194 of Respawn Aim Fire. You have a few pieces of homework. The first of which is to play Control. Play Control. It is our barf game this month. Yes. We have a couple people already signed up for the end of the month to come on and talk about it with us. Play through it. Use this excuse to stop being an idiot and play 2018, 2019's Game of the Year, y'all. What? <laughs> So play through that this this uh, month with us. It is free on Game Pass if you have Game Pass. It is maybe still on sale for 20 bucks Ultimate Edition on PSN. So definitely play through that. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash fire. Go get some dope wallpapers. Vote on whatever next month's barf will be. And then uh, play this on Game Nights. This week's Game Night is Titanfall 2. Go download Titanfall 2 right meow to your systems. If you've been on PlayStation oh, Plus for yeah, a while, like right. three years ago, we got it for free on PlayStation Plus. So do that. We're playing it on PS4. Nope, we're playing it on PlayStation generally. Cross-platform PS4, PS5, whatever the fuck. That's it. It's going to be good. Until next time, here's our usual sign-off. My farts could kill every cow in America. <laughs> <laughs>